welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Of Leadership. This is episode 57, and I'm John. And I'm Alex. And I'm Zach. Uh, on this podcast, we're going to talk about, well, we're going to actually look at a recent TED Talk that we watched, mm-hmm. um, and the topic was... The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. Now, the uh, TED Talk is maybe about eight years old, but John has been saying it's been talked about the water cooler. I have been having people bring up Brene Brown to me in a couple things. A leadership class I'm teaching, somebody brought up the power of vulnerability and said, you got to watch this TED Talk. So we sat down and watched it in tonight. I'm a big fan of the new to me type stuff, you know. We live in a throwaway culture, you know, like give me your hand me downs. Sure it's eight years old, but like <laughs> you know, new to me. Yeah. The power of invulnerability. And truth is truth. Mm-hmm. And fiction is fiction. So we'll separate the t- the two of those. <laughs> Episode fifty seven gentlemen our last podcast let's do a recap of our last podcast where we talked about family mm-hmm. and we looked at the changing family and how one can man itself in the midst of family so interesting podcast so for those that are interested in family leadership we encourage you to take a listen mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of there's stuff in there about how the family leader changes over time um the different attributes of the family leader, but also um, how to guide in ways that are open yet also structured and how, how that's important. If you want to take a look at reflection and just think about how your family has influenced you, especially as your family has led you through uh, childhood and um, maybe what your parents were thinking while they were doing that, you know. Great, great time to just sit back and let the gears churn. My, my parents asked me that question a lot. What were you thinking? So I can resonate with that comment. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 57. Gentlemen, as you think about the number 57. You know, I think of Heinz. I don't even want to finish it, though, because then it reminds me of a, a crappy little place over in Pittsburgh that I really don't want to have to think about. Um well, instead, I'll think of the Cleveland Browns yes. and number 57, <laughs> Dwayne Rudd. Oh, Dwayne Rudd. Do you mm-hmm. remember Dwayne Rudd? Did he get in a like, car accident or something? Or? I'm not sure what sure. happened, but what I do remember is right before the end of a game, I think it was against the Chiefs. Oh, that's what it was. He threw off his helmet thinking the Browns had won, <laughs> and they, there was actually time left on the clock. The Browns were penalized. The Chiefs then kicked the game-winning field goal, I think I remember. That yes. might have been Bottlegate, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, uh, Bottlegate, I thought it was against Jacksonville or something. Maybe. Anyways, I don't know. It, it was, was one of the dark chapters in Browns history. Yes, yeah. uh, Dwayne Rudd made his jersey rest in peace. <laughs> It's helmet, actually. It's helmet. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) All right. So as we think about this podcast, a little note to our listeners, we've done zero preparation for this podcast except watching the video just a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. We took some careful notes. I looked around the room and each time I saw Zach and Alex were paying attention. So they should have some things to share. Mm hmm. So the topic, the, the, the name of the podcast was The Power of Vulnerability. Uh, Brene Brown says she's a researcher and storyteller. And so we're going to talk through that podcast and s- how it informs leadership. So first impressions, guys, as you saw the podcast, what would you think? I'll say maybe 
This is her at the beginning of her knowledge. I know she started her blog sometime in 2007, according to a quick skim that I uh, read just before this. And so this is, what, three years into her speaking, writing, processing of her research. And, and so maybe some stuff has changed in the past eight years, but based off of the several articles I skimmed in the past 10 minutes after <laughs> watching the TED Talk, you know, it seems like she's just become better at speaking it. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say my primary concern was the circular talk. There was a lot of definitions involving words that were included in definitions of other mm-hmm. words that led back to the self. And so if I were to summarize it, it's like the best way to be the best is just to be the best or <laughs> like, you know, like that sort of mm-hmm. circularity. Yeah, it was a little hard. I I understood what she was getting at. And I think that's I mean, that was the whole talk was about the power of vulnerability. And so I feel like I, I knew what she was getting at there. Um, and that's why we're talking about it now. Cause I want to see what you guys had to think about vulnerability. But, um, yeah, it was like some, at the end of it, I was like, this is very touchy feely. And I wonder if somebody who is very, you know, her herself, if she could be listening to herself, you know, like, because she's very data driven listening to herself, like eight, however many years later when she started research and being like, am I the same person who started doing this? Yeah. Let me, let me throw two comments in here. Uh, you should, you as our listeners should be able to get something out of this. So I'm going to do my best real quick here to like throw some solid stuff mm-hmm. down rather than us just talking around some things that we saw or heard or still processing. Cause you know, we only, we didn't really prepare for this. And so she said that this was a talk on expanding perceptions. And I think that's true. It's gaining an understanding. And the way I would frame it is of the value of integrity. That is like a wholeness of being, of um, realization that you don't have to be now who you want to be. You can be who you are now in spite of who you want to be and still striving to be who you want to be. That you can resolve these things through integrity, through the expansion of your perception. I... If I were to frame it in a way that I think is concrete, that's how I would do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then inside of that, she talked about all of her research and all of her research leading her to listening to stories and how people were wholehearted and that wholeheartedness being something that caused her issues. And so my second concrete point in this, um, the second of two before we continue our conversation is she really seemed to be talking around her own experiences, which based off of what I've just skimmed in the past 10 minutes is something she's gotten better at. She's talked about her struggles with addiction. She's talked a little bit in more depth, you know, how much can you really include in a 20 minute Ted talk, but she's talked more in depth about, um, her family, uh, about her experiences and conversations with her therapist. So I think, You know, it seemed a little skirty to me in this TED Talk as she was telling, seeing her being so driven and passionate and disturbed by this while not giving me any reason to really understand why. I think she's probably done a better job of that in recent publications, but in this TED Talk, not so much. You mentioned expanding perception. So what is perception? So before we talk about expanding perception, which is one of her points at the beginning, what is perception? The way you interpret um, 
things. I'll, I'll okay. say things vaguely, but yeah. uh, w- at what you see. Okay. And I think in her talk, part of the undergirding of her talk was how I perceive myself mm-hmm. and how others perceive me. Because at the end of the talk, I circled this, she mentioned the phrase, I am enough. And she encouraged people to claim that truth that I am enough. And my question is, and I would, I'm honestly asking this question enough for what? Hmm. Like, what does that mean that I'm enough? Cause, cause that, elim- is that eliminating the other people, other people around you? <clears throat> when you say eliminating them, what does that so mean? So are you saying like, so it, I am enough. Does that mean I am enough for other people or I am enough for myself? I, I think what she might mean there is I, I'm going to stop striving to be who you want me to be and trying to change your perception of me, but I'm just going to be me. And, you know, there's a there's an extension of this where someone says, and if you don't like it too bad, mm-hmm. like this is who I am, I, I'm this way and that's it. And, and on this podcast, at least for me, I, I would say that... I would never myself or encourage a leader to say, you know what, I'm just boisterous or I'm just, I say the first thing that comes off the top of my head and that's who I am and that's just enough. And I don't know that that's a responsible way of using that, nor does that, do I know if that's the point that she's making, but I think it, she may be making the idea that I'm, I'm not going to have to prove myself to you over and over again, that I am just me, warts and all. When, when I heard her say that, I didn't take it the same way. I, I think that's probably a much more accurate interpretation. I was looking at it through uh, – we talk about guiding principles a lot, and it's interesting to see how much that fits into this because I saw so many what I would call like truth claims, spiritual claims um, that weren't necessarily substantiated that have to have some sort of philosophical resolution – um, the believe you are enough, you know, is an intrinsic a statement of intrinsic worth, which has to be doesn't have to be philosophically needs some substantiation. And so I was interpreting it through a much different lens. But to your point, John, I really think that um, that because of her emphasis on remaining connected, on being connected to other people, she started off her talk. Um, looking for where I wrote connectedness connectedness down so I have started with connection this is why we're here mm-hmm. yeah I have purpose and meaning in life of connection specifically connection and that connection is if you want connection then vulnerability is where you start mm-hmm. that's what I think that that was, was the premise of that connection piece that I saw so so when she talks about I am enough from what you said is is she is she saying I'm okay I think so yeah you know like this is okay that I'm this way instead of saying like I'm enough and you don't have to do any you know if you don't I don't know how you phrased it like yeah I don't this know is the way I am and forget you if you don't like me I, I don't think it's end of story yes. I, I would imagine that you know based on some of her books it's, of course it's yeah. a ways to improve herself but yeah it's like I am an unfinished product yes where I am today yeah 
I take, think, or, take or leave it. Yeah, her summary role of um, a parent to a child is looking at the child and saying, you are imperfect, you are wired to struggle, and that's okay. And I think that's like the summary of how she wants people to look at themselves. Because, uh, I mean, when you, if you were to tell other parents what to tell your children, it's what you would have wanted other people to tell you. And so maybe we're seeing a little bit of projection there, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. I was interested, she said, about selectively numbing yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you thought about that idea that that if we have pain and we numb it, that it also numbs the, the, the positive side of emotions of joy. What do you all think about that? Do you see truth in that? Yeah, I would say yes, for sure. Yeah, I think because it gets you, because of that numbing gets you can get you in a cycle, which then can eliminate some of those those, those other feelings, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it, it can shove them out. It, I think it... Mm, I would say it's a... I would go back to it being a matter of integrity. That is, you know, this whole idea of wholeness. So when you're numbing something, you're saying this pain is too much for me to bear. Like this is not how it should be. And so I'm going to focus on eliminating that. But that also eliminates your capacity for joy. Another way I was thinking of it is like if you find your value in successes or your disappointments in failures of things you're trying to um, achieve – your measure of worth is outside of yourself. And so this idea of integrity is her trying to disassociate personhood and value from outcomes and um, negatives of herself, um, negative aspects of herself. Yeah, I was going to say, I think um, when you decide that you're going to, selectively numb it, it gets you in that new cyclical like a cyclical pattern to where you're reorienting your homeostasis to that so if you need to numb yourself from something that means something is the root of that that's now changing you um, and so going backwards in that and then changing that new orientation of homeostasis is going to be difficult so what would that new what, what other options do you have so if if we're going to say, and she would say that that numbing yourself dulls the pain but dulls the joy, mm-hmm. what is the opposite of that? Wasn't this her vulnerability? I mean, that's this whole discussion when she talks about being vulnerable. So are we saying as simplistic as I have choices of I feel pain, I could be vulnerable and, and share that appropriately with another, mm-hmm. or I could squash that in some numbing coping mechanism is that mm-hmm. what i hear the two basic um, to not be too binary here but two two paths to consider is that what it seems to be i mean it, was, it sounds like to me that and, and i know on this podcast we talk a lot about destructing that binary thinking and you know even earlier um today we were even talking about solutions philosophy you know um that it always has to come down to one sort of solution so if i'm having this issue um, which could be a shame issue, and now I have to take some sort of medicine prescribed thing to fix that. That is the foresaid solution to that problem. I, you know, I mean, 
whether that is right or wrong or different, it could, I, I could see it being one of those things that leads into this cyclical behavior and not being vulnerable with certain things. Um, so I'm going to read a statement and I, I'd like you guys to agree or disagree and why. I believe I am worthy of love and belonging f- for yourself. Do you believe you are worthy of love and belonging? Yes or no? Because she says, that's what you need to claim. I am worthy. Here's the quote. Uh, I am I am worth love and belonging. See, and I immediately interpret that through my spiritual lens, and I add a couple of preconditions to that. You know, God chose me first, and so through that, I have value and worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, looking at it through a, a human humanity has sinned lens, my worldview would lead me to disagree with that statement on a large view and agree with it on a small view, if that makes sense. So what's the small view? Um, small view, meaning that um, there has to be something that'll, that makes that statement true. It's not just a universally true statement. Mm, mm-hmm. So that is to say, I could, why are half of those people that she's talking about who struggle with worth and belonging and that why are they doing so? Because if that statement is true in and of itself, then there really shouldn't be that much of an issue. Does that make sense? Yeah. If so, it's inherently true. Right, right. So why are people not, if it's inherently true, why are, why are people not claiming it? Or why do people have a hard time believing it? Believing it? Thoughts on Alex on that? You're not sure what to do with that? No, I'm not sure what to do with that one, guy. A little overwhelmed over there? No, I, I mean, I believe what you said, Zach, is true. That's what I thought of. You know, part of me thinks that on the, uh, like you said, the short end, you know, um, I'm love and worthy of love and what? Something? Uh, and belonging. And belonging. I'm worthy of loving and belonging. And I could, I could see that being as a fundamental, like, man, I need to have this. That makes sense to me. But how you get to that point is like, I, I don't know how you, like, it's hard for me because of just the way that I've been raised. Like, I, I know that to be true to myself because of my faith, but I don't know what it would look like without my faith. Yeah, and and I maybe tied to that, a little later on she talks about uh, entering into relationships and loving without the known um, outcome. Mm-hmm. That, that's what you want to yeah. do, and that's vulnerability. And I think when one does that, when one loves well, the the reciprocity of that oftentimes is I feel loved by others and I feel a sense of belonging. So I'm wondering if that statement is not something to claim, but more of a byproduct of, Hmm. you know, in in theological sense, I think in Hebrew it talks about the highest form of love being agape, which is I love you unconditionally. And I think if one would pursue that with fidelity, then there would be a sense of love and connection at least at some level, that would return. But I think there's going to be a sense of incompleteness as well. When we talk about standards, so one of the comments I wrote down was 
at the very beginning, I really appreciate, you know, the lens of storytelling. We see stories as positive things because it shows that there's something that's being built on. And I recently had a conversation where we talked about the nature of our throwaway culture. You know, if something is not immediately beneficial, then we toss it away. And when you have a story lens that comes with this benefit of saying something will grow out of this maybe not in the way that I'm expecting but it's a part of the story it's a part of who I am it's formative and it leads me to becoming something else there's something to look forward to and I also wrote down this comment where she talks about how we are wired um, for struggle and we are imperfect and my first thought was well What's the standard? Like, where's the standard? If we're just talking experientially, she mentioned uh, when you ask someone about when you ask someone about love, they talk about how they've been heartbroken. When you ask people about what were some of her other examples, she had two or three more. Um, when you ask people about being connected, they talk oh. about how they've been dis like disconnected. Yeah, yeah, disconnection. Um, but th- she started with that very early on. Uh, I don't know if you have any other examples. If you find, think of them, chime in. But all that to say is you need – when we see those situations, they're usually not fully unjust. Maybe they are to some degree, but uh, – maybe they're unjust to some degree. But y- you can see how that would happen again and how that fear – she talked a lot about fear – that what if – can lead you to saying if it happened once it can happen again mm-hmm. and i know with my worldview particularly i know that the source of uh, my affirmation of worth and of love and belonging comes from something that cannot be cast away of this world and so in that same way you have the inverse of that where because i see it because i've experienced it because i know it there's a way in which I can trust that I can replicate that, that it will happen again, regardless circumstantially. And what she's speaking of, what she's seeing experientially, at least this is how I'm trying to Mm. process it or interpret it, is there are these people who are living in this what if um, anxiety and Mm -hmm. saying like this has happened before and I just can't get away from the idea of it happening again. Isn't that, I mean... A lot. Of, I mean, isn't that all of us? I mean, that's, we're living, that's all of us. Yeah. Yeah, we're living in this world that we do that. And so, so question for you guys: What's the best way to encourage development of self? What What do you need to encourage a healthy development of self of differentiation? As I hear what you're saying and and think about this this TED Talk as a whole, much of this TED Talk is about the exchanging of self between people. It's the borrowing and trading of self. And that is so unpredictable. Mm -hmm. It is so unpredictable. And so if I am going to say I am enough to others, what it's saying is, I I don't know. It, it, relationships are so, they, 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 they give so much, but they fall short of delivering. what I think what we inherently need is people. And I think they're going to leave us wanting more, wanting more. And so I think this this talk is really, really good, but I think is inherently dangerous because I think it gives us a false sense of hope of where peace can come from. A false sense of security, right? I do. I, and I just see it that way as I'm thinking through it. But 
That's yeah. just my perspective. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think you asked that question, Zach, of where do you start out here with this stuff? And I think for me, I think about humility. And I was kind of hoping that she was going to go somewhere with that, with humility, because um, she talked about vulnerability. And I think there might be some connection there because you have to be humble enough to be able to be vulnerable in some ways. Um, but it, it's I, I, there's a recognition of I'm not a finished product. I am imperfect and I'm, and I'm a mess, but I don't need to stay this way. And there are different things that I can do to become more of a solid self. Mm. Yeah. I, I like this talk in, in the sense that I, I think she's talking about issues that people are thinking about and a phrase I use a lot of, if, if people are thinking about it, talk about it. So I think she really has brought up some really, really important points. Um, but I think her solutions are limited, mm-hmm. but there's something. And I wonder if this is the hook. I wonder if she's yeah. not talking about the humility to accept things as they are in the fully negative sense um, because the positive sense is what hooks you in because you need that hope or that desire, that encouragement to say, okay, I'm going to bite this. I'm going to jump in. And, you know, I asked earlier, what's what's a great way, uh, what's the ideal way to develop self? It's someone else who creates a space around you. They don't force their self on you. They don't tell you what to do. They don't tell you how to, to act. They don't put you in a place of fear that you're going to do or say the wrong thing. But someone who pulls out of you thoughtful consideration about your beliefs uh, that leads you into reflection of the past, that leads you to looking forward into how you want to live your life and the kind of person you would like to be, principled living. And so... What that, that's looking like is a safe space, right? Mm-hmm. Someone creating a safe space. And I think she's trying to do that maybe with a house of twigs. But you you almost need, you know, you talk about borrowing and trading self, John. You like, you need that to some degree from other people. It's really, really hard to do that yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, at least to me, that's how I resolve this this 50-50 split, I don't know how, what she, she never actually said what the split was, but this split between what she would call the wholehearted people and the not is somehow someone has been encouraged in such a way mm-hmm. where they've been able to borrow self without it having been forced upon them. Um, and in the most positive, sen- ideal sense of the, the, the development of self, to be able to form their own self through those experiences and those safenesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there was definitely more when I was listening to this talk. I was saying there's more to this. I want to know what what what's under the hood here. You know, like so. You even said creating a, a safe space with someone. Well, if the other person is just messed up as I am, how do you create that space? And what does that look like? And I mean, that screams to me better leadership from somewhere, mentorship. Wh- who is somebody above me who doesn't need anything from me, but that I can borrow self from? You know, and that they're going to allow me and give me the freedom to become myself, whatever that may be. And they're okay with that. And so I had a question, actually, uh, unless you guys want to discuss that a little further. Um, Does everybody have a problem with vulnerability? I mean, is this a problem? I think the question to to put out there. I do. Yeah. I I go back to the fear of what if, which is vulnerability is 
you know, I, I define self or I say something that's vulnerable. I'm not sure how another's going to take it. Uh, so I think that fear of what if is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to phrase it differently. I think vulnerability is just fine, but I, the stigma behind that sort of like doesn't seem to click into place for me in my perspective, my perception. Uh, I think of it as it's being able to stand behind what is and remain open-handed with that. That is to say, Mm -hmm. vulnerability is me not trying to change something to what it should be or what I feel it ought to be or but to be able to say you know this is how I think this is how I feel this was my experience say say these factual things and stand behind it in a way that doesn't cause cutoff because the the lack of vulnerability is where you put up a mask so it's something that's not true it, it is not or you say something that is but then you push other people away or you step away, right? Those are, you know, so, uh, so what is vulnerability? Like what is it just saying what's true and not hiding what's true? Hmm. Is that vulnerability? What do you think? I mean, I'm just trying to think what that, like I mean, when I think about vulnerability, vulnerability, I think about saying things about myself that are, I may find as shameful or embarrassing to other people. Like, you know, things that like I could say this to you and it could hurt my character or it could you could think differently about me than you think about me currently. So when I think about being vulnerable with people, I could be sharing my story about let's say I share my story about my sister who passed away. That's vulnerable, you know, because now you're thinking of me differently or now even if you're thinking of me better, it's it's it's, it's a different way. You know, usually when I hear people think about vulnerability, I, I hear it that way where I'm sharing something that could make you think differently about me. It could be good or bad, but most likely I would say it would be more of a, a negative, at least to myself, to my, my, my own self. But is it only vulnerability in so much as it allows others control over you? Let's mm. say you're at a, in a perfectly good spot with your sister where you've reflected over her death, her impact yes. in your life and all that, and it's not an emotional thing for you. It's not... I'm having trouble pinning words on it. It's not something that's raw. It it is what it is, and you yeah. stand. Is it still vulnerable? Yeah. If it doesn't, if it's not something that can be used against you, I I, well, I wonder the if emotion. there's that stigma and vulnerability. I think there's an emotion to it. So like me being vulnerable. So I could tell my story about Brooke over and over and over again, but there's still an emotion in it that I don't know when it's going to come up, and I could start crying, right? So now you're going to see me tearing up and crying about this. And I'm showing an emotion to you that I might not have wanted to share with you. And because that emotion pops up, now I'm being even more vulnerable. And how are you going to take that? You know, and so I'm just going to go ahead and hide my emotion, which could be a form of coping, coping, but also a form of what she say? Um, A form of numbing yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a form of numbing yourself is just deciding that you don't want to show that emotion anymore. I'm I'm quite good at that. (laughs) But the more that I am able to share those emotions in a safe space by being vulnerable, um, the more um, as a solid self I feel. Um, I would say 95% of the time, give or take 18%. 
so specific. That when someone is vulnerable with me, they define themselves, they, they share something that's personally difficult, that my, my viewing of them increases Mm -hmm. that I don't think, well, how weak of them, because I, I understand myself and the weakness of the human spirit and by them sharing a truth that's maybe universally true about all of us, the circumstances might be different, but when someone's vulnerable about something, what they're really vulnerable about content aside is revealing humanity of, of who they are as a flawed person. Yeah. I think it's very, very interesting in how you share that too. So it's like sharing something on Facebook or me sharing with you one-on-one, right? right? Yeah. It's not the same vulnerability because now I'm trying to control some sort of medium by doing it on Facebook as opposed to just doing it with you one-on-one. I mean, I still be vulnerable, but it's, yeah. it's a different type of thing because we've seen that on different social media platforms. Yeah. Or, and I may be doing that on social media to get uh, pity or yeah. I'm borrowing self essentially by doing that. I'm just, Oh, it's okay. And, and I'm getting back self is really why I'm throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, well, that, that relationship you're talking about is, is a, the best case scenario, right? That you're able to share with somebody and be vulnerable with somebody. And now they, they're encouraging you for doing that with them. And you're thinking more highly about that, you know, like instead of, but when's the inverse true? I, I, maybe this is hmm. the circle of people I run with or think about, but I, I can't think of a concrete example where somebody has shared something vulnerable and someone said, that's a person's terrible. What a loser. <laughs> like maybe in seventh grade you think that way, but I think in adulthood, this side of some sense of relative maturity, and it doesn't have to be much, that that person's, that connection, I mean, she makes a good point, I think, here. That vulnerability leads to connection because I've identified with another person as a human being, and I think that's, I, I don't know. Are we I, talking about different levels of differentiation then? I don't think much. I think somebody at, you know, in Bowen speak, somebody that's at 25 or above, generally speaking, is going to give you credit for being vulnerable. Oh, that's vulnerable. a good point, yeah. I was thinking story-wise, you, you see movies and stuff where people have those reactive behaviors where your vulnerability provokes uh, some sort of similarity, that, that shared humanity but such that it reminds me of my own flaws and that's the times when I lash out or respond. So a very distinct, uh, it requires either a very distinct specificity in like the shared vulnerability that evokes some sort of reactivity or they're relatively undifferentiated, very, very poorly differentiated that leads to that negative response. Otherwise you're looking for a reason to share that connectivity But I think one of the reasons that makes that vulnerability hard is we've seen people casually talk about things in calloused or Mm. mean ways that we're afraid will be done to us, rightly or wrongly, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Think of, say, weight examples, like um, hearing people talk about other people's weight behind their backs, and if you were to share that to struggle, would they laugh at you? Well, no, you're being vulnerable. Chances are... 
they would not be so calloused or crude to do such a thing. But because you've seen that, there's that fear, that chronic anxiety of saying, like, I don't know if I can do this. It's almost like you're bringing it to the light. And so now since you're out in front of mm-hmm. of being vulnerable, um, then it's hard to for other people to pile on. It's there's there is a level of trust here when you're with the vulnerability, too. So like being able to trust the other person mm-hmm. that they're going to just listen and not critique or not give advice or not, you know, share this with other people is, and, and that can be very difficult. I mean, you know, how many, how many relationships can you have to where you can be trusting of somebody like that? It can be difficult. Sure. So in the trailer of her Netflix show that came out sometime, I assume this year, she had the myths of vulnerability and one of them had to do with trust. The fifth one, trust comes before vulnerability saying that that's a myth. And that's an interesting thought because you know, do you trust someone before you're vulnerable or are you vulnerable before you trust them? Mm-hmm. Or the vul- the being vulnerable is an act of trust because you're either restricting your life in such a way, numbing yourself, not going out, whatever way, so that ye- you people just don't have the ability to take control, rightfully or wrongfully, of you. You can't be hurt if you never have the opportunity. The other side of that is you don't want to give people who aren't ready for it the opportunity to take control of your life. You don't want to give that person who's in a highly reactive state um, or the poorly differentiated boss or um, the person who just got done, I don't know, fighting with his wife, you know, whatever it is. Those are the people you don't want to give vulnerability to and so I think that's another thing we haven't really touched on but like you you want to show some sort of safe vulnerability with other people because you know there's a difference between being vulnerable and inviting others to not realize you are being vulnerable you can be vulnerable in such a way that people are just like oh they're being casual and I can say or do whatever and it's not significant but being vulnerable in its can we say being vulnerable is of itself um, a significant thing I'm not sure I understand the statement is a significant thing people aren't vulnerable as a state of uh, like typically oh yeah I think it, yeah. it, 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 it takes an act of the will to take a risk yeah it's a willful act it it's willful not act. something that I, I think generally that's true. I think someone who's vulnerable all the time maybe is um, just throwing fish out to to borrow from. In other words, mm-hmm. or just yeah. baiting the hook and want to reel in fish all the time. Hmm. So final thoughts. I, I have one to share, and then I'll just consider what you guys have to say about it. Uh, I really thought that the TED Talk was interesting. I think she raises some really good points and brings up some really good points. And uh, I'm interested more in some of the solutions that she gives. Um, my best thinking is that there's some limited application. Um, t- the, the roots of what she brings up, uh, I think, are addressed in some deeper ways. But I think it's a place to start. And certainly I can see why she has a lot of interest. Mm-hmm. I, um, 
I've always believed that if you're seeking for the truth, you will find it. And I think, and there's some peace within vulnerability where you, where you say something and you're being vulnerable because you want to know whether or not there's some truth behind the people you're talking to or there's truth behind what you're even saying about that vulnerability. Um, so if I get, if, if I'm telling you a story about whatever and I start crying, is there, is this, tr- is this emotion true? When I, t- when I tell this story, is this vulnerability true? Is this something that's really deep and impactful to me? And so I, I think by putting that out there, you're seeking the truth. And I, I really do believe that continually working on a journey to seek truth by being vulnerable is, is a worthwhile adventure. Um, but exploring that and, and figuring out what that means for you is obviously very important. <laughs> I think that vulnerability is something that we all have and I was um, more interested in John's framing of it with the idea that um, it's a an opportunity for shared humanity to see um, how you are like other people and um, to connect with other people and the narrative that she presents is sort of circular and pseudo spiritual and filled with some absolutes that were unqualified in that conversation that maybe she qualifies in other ways. Mm -hmm. But um, all that to say is is I I think in this topic, um, vulnerability is something that's required required for meaningful connections with one another. And I also think that on a grander scale, it has... um, spiritual and absolute connotations and um, circumstances that need to be resolved in a guiding principle sort of way because the way you approach humanity is going to affect the relationships that you have with other people. And so I think that, I mean, just on a a broad scale, this is a a great jumping in point Mm -hmm. just to start... Um, seeing how on a small scale with our individual lives, it also deals with guiding principles on a grander scale on how we want to live our lives and how um, we think lives ought to be lived. Okay, gentlemen, that's a wrap. So how do we get connected to our podcast and shout outs, please? Yeah, um, of leadership.com. I'd also say that, you know, if you haven't watched the um, the video Brene Brown did on uh, the TED Talk for um, the power of vulnerability, if you just put that into YouTube, even if you spell her first name wrong, it will show up. I guarantee you that. So um, although we covered a lot of pieces, parts of what she talked about. Um, we'll have it linked below if you're mm-hmm. interested in watching it. Uh, I think we did did a pretty good job of talking yeah. through what it covers. So but we'll give you a little bit of homework. Yeah. Why not? You should watch it. Um, maybe maybe as homework, we'll have them watch some of our newer stuff. <laughs> 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 so you can connect with us at ofleadership at gmail.com um, or on our website, ofleadership.com. Yep. Uh, or on Facebook as of leadership. If you're not seeing the theme, of leadership is sort of what we're known as. <laughs> So yeah, I think that's it. Okay, well with that, that's a wrap. I'm John. I'm Alex. I'm Zach. See you around. So long. See you